It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Are we recording? Yes, sir. Welcome everyone to the Rink Rat Report podcast. Happy to have on today goalie ex- expert, one half of the Goalie Science podcast, grad student, um, just Mr. Hockey all around, I would say, Mr. Goaltending, Ben Cernick. How's it going today, Ben? I'm doing excellent, fellas. Thank you so much for having me. How are you guys doing? I'm, I'm doing well, and I'm, I'm, it's a pleasure to have you on because I, if people who listen to this podcast know that like goalies are always voodoo to me. I am the one. I am the odd man out here. We have two goalies on, and we have one guy who isn't a goalie, and that's me. So I'm excited <laughs> yes. to learn a lot more about goaltending and just a little bit more about like the, the numbers behind it because there's a ton of things that we can get into. So I, I'm not I'm gonna not going to bury the lead here. I'm going to let Pitts take it away with the first question, but super excited for this episode. Awesome. And everyone knows there's a Leafs podcast. We got to talk about the most important team on planet Earth, the Toronto Maple Leafs. So let's get into there. Let's just start it off. Let's get into the Leafs goaltending situation for this upcoming season. Ben, I wanted to get your thoughts on like a general, where do you think, how, how confident are you in the Leafs goaltending situation coming up to this year? I am actually a huge so i'm not a leafs fan so anyway this leafs podcast don't get mad at me i i'm the i'm the weirdest person on earth a few years ago i revoked fandom and said i'm just gonna watch hockey i'm not gonna care who wins and let me tell you it's a freeing experience you don't get that you don't get the same highs anymore guys but uh i just can i now kind of just step back and just watch it all so this is without any leafs bias i think the leafs are in an awesome spot goaltending wise with the way they're shaped up currently um Samson about three and a half million dollars a year is an awesome contract for the Leafs. Again, the one-year deal, um, but it's it's a good little deal. It's a great price for him. Having again, we'll see. Is it Martin Jones backing them up to start? Is it Joseph Wall backing them up to start? But having both those guys at under a million dollars each, and now we all know Murray's on LTIR. But as it currently stands, to have three NHL goalies at you know just a hair over five million dollars. That's about as good as it gets in the NHL right now. Yeah, that's a of great course. point. And uh, there's a little bit more I want to unpack here with the the salary cap number because again, like people like to view goalies. Sometimes they don't view it in the lens of the salary cap like they do with players, and that's like very important fact that you have to view it within the lens of the contract, right? So there were two other contracts who were uh, goalie contracts that filed for arbitration. One of them was Philip Gustafson. He got three years at three seven five. Jeremy Swayman one year at three seven five, and we got. Samsonov at one year and three five and I know it's very hard to compare three different goalies but like they all got a similar contract range so can you talk about like how Samsonov compares to those two guys is he on a similar level do you think one guy is significantly better than the other do you think one guy made out 
as a as a bandit with this steel contract. I think the Bruins maybe got a steal on Swayman here. Just talk to me a little bit more about the, the context around the Samsonov deal, how he kind of plays his structure, and like how he's similar or different to Gustafson and Swayman. Yeah. So like so again, it was uh, do you say so Gustafson, Gustafson or Grubauer? Which one am I hearing there? So yeah, this is going to be the, the big thing, right? So three very different goalies. I was going to say, I don't think Grubauer will be signed this year. Yeah. Um, uh, in both Samsonov and, and Gustafson, you have two really interesting situations where both guys were coming from teams where they, they didn't really perform to, I think, either fans would have said, right? I'm not sure you're asking Senators fans and they're saying, oh, we loved having Gustafson, right? I don't think I've ever, anyone ever mentioned that to me before, but he was pretty much incredible in Minnesota. Right. Like that was, uh, I think a lot, enough people talked about it, but that was like argument, like arguably a Vesna caliber run he had at the back end of that season in Minnesota. And so again, that's a really friendly deal for them if it can kind of continue. Right. Like that's always going to be the big asterisk. That's the same thing with Sam Sonoff. Right. This was his first year where I thought he was pretty good. I think, again, I think he's a, a good fit in the Leafs system. I think you know exactly what you're going to get out of him, which is a goalie that plays pretty conservatively on first shot chances. Uh, it's a goalie who does not exceptionally move well laterally compared to his peers, especially at distance, but moves well, really well laterally in tight. So if people watch games and look at that little bit of a difference, you'll see that Samsonov in tight laterally, excellent. He shuts them stop. He stays big, uh, does a really good job that way move it out a little bit farther and that's kind of where his that's not the strongest part of his game comparing contracts across the board i'm not sure what's going to happen in boston with swayman i think he's a great goalie i think boston if anyone watched them play enough is like that's one heck of a defensive team right um like i would compare the way samsonov plays a lot more to the other boston goalie which is linus allmark which are again a lot more stable direct shot goalies uh who don't do like who don't look exceptionally flashy laterally I am a huge Gustafson fan. I'm a little, I'm a little nervous. I hope he can bring that back. But I think again at three and a half, honestly, that's a, a great price. I think that's market value for what you get at Ilya Samsonov, and I think Leafs fans should be pretty happy with that number, honestly. Yeah, that's true. Despite like the other two being pretty good value, but I, I like what you brought up about you know Samsonov. It, you do see it a lot. I would say like he he makes a lot of exceptional saves where he's making the butterfly slide across. And he's still making himself big because he is a pretty big goaltender. Shoulders are still relatively high up, and he's making those yeah. huge saves. I mean, ones that come to mind, I mean, there was a couple against Tampa. There was one against Detroit in just a garbage game there that he made a huge one. But I like that point there. Let's get into another Leafs goaltender to bounce around a little bit. Joseph Wool, when I messaged you before the podcast, you said you were a, a big Wool fan. Take us your, through your thoughts of jo what you think of Joseph Wool your expectations for him this coming season and seasons past. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm fine going on record on this one. I've said this for a long time that I think Joseph wall going back all the way to 2016, the Leafs getting them early in the third round is an awesome, awesome draft pick, right? Anytime you can get a goalie of this caliber in the third round, that's been exceptional. I always toss this one. It's one of my favorite fun facts. Either of you know who Joseph Wall's goalie partner was the year he was drafted out of the NTDP. I would I do. know that. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, it's Jake Ottinger. So, um, and he started over Ottinger in the World Juniors. Yeah. Like that. This is the Jake Ottinger's again established himself now as a pretty dominant goalie in the NHL. But Joseph Wall's been alongside. That's probably, again, one of the best goalie tandems in junior hockey 
maybe pretty close to ever. Um, as I'm currently thinking about it, if anyone has a better one, you know, toss it my way, but I think it's great. Um, I think the biggest issue with Joseph Walla is that he hasn't been given an opportunity. That's where I think the, the, I think the number one issue that we've seen with Joseph Wall is just not having a chance to be more in the NHL. Um, again, he's, he's 25, right. And, you know, we always say that goalies take longer to develop. We got to, you know, let them figure it out how to play. And I think there's a piece of that. I think goalies need to get, acclimated to the team they play on and in the environment in the leagues they play. I think that's totally fair, but I think we do a little bit of a disservice with our, our really talented goalies by not getting them just in the NHL earlier. Right. Like you, and you guys have seen how things have shaped up across the league team signing three, four NHL goalies on their rosters. And that just pushes guys like wall down. So I'm, my fingers are crossed. I really hope we see wall on that opening day NHL roster. Like I, I really do think that, yeah, and I think we will. I think Jones is kind of signed into that, like what they're calling that flex goalie position now, where like he'll probably play 10 games is the number I'd imagine. Like I think in a perfect Leafs world, they're probably looking at something around 45, 25, 12. Like that's kind of what that breakdown looks like overall. You get to that 82 number around that might be, and there's a little bit of give on either side, but you probably don't want your starter playing north of 55 games anymore in this NHL. Um, so again, I think he's great. The things that people are watching Joseph wall, one of the things that the reason he doesn't always step out or like seem flashy to to people is because he's a positionally excellent goaltender and he's a really, really, really good skater. So he gets from position to position really well. He's efficient that way. He's a way above average NHL caliber skater. And so when you combine those two things, those big flashy saves don't show up a lot, right? He's making a backdoor save controlled. Right. He's not scrambling all over the place. He's identifying where he needs to go before he starts moving around. And, and if you look at someone like Samsonov, who's a little bit more scrambling on broken plays, mm-hmm. I would say that's something like Leaf stands and Capital stands probably saw a bunch of that. When he loses the puck, he gets happy feet. Wall is a bit more patient. He'll just sit in that butterfly and he'll just hunt for the puck, find it, find it, find it. And so when goalies move less, sometimes people get thrown off as if they're not trying or they're not, you know, flashy. The, the comparison, I think, and this is a bit of a loose comparison, but the best example of a really good skater who you don't appreciate it is, is Sorokin in the Islanders. He's one of the best skaters in the league, but you watch him and he doesn't really show it off very much because he's just in the right spot a lot. I think that is the style that Wall plays. And I think I think with the way Toronto's team is shaping up, I think he could be actually just fantastic this year for them. So, I'm super happy to hear that. And like before I get into this next question, I just have like a little mini question here for you. Do you have like a, a player comp? for Joseph Wall that has been in a Leafs uniform before because it feels like what you mentioned there. I kind of see the similar things. Again, not a goalie guy, but Mm -hmm. uh, not a flashy guy, but is always very positionally sound. And I feel like we haven't had a goalie like that in recent years. If you just look back, we had Murray, who's again, like that all over the place, Jack Campbell, like that all over the place. Is it Frederick Anderson? But at times he also feel like he could lose his sword. So what's like a mini comp that's worn a Leafs uniform to (laughs) Joseph Wall just to give fans like a, a general idea of like what they could be expecting here? My, my brain went to, to young Freddie as well. Um, I think, again, the game's modernized, right? Yeah. So it's, it's, that's probably your, your best recent comp for people to think. Again, I don't think we can go back too far into the early 2000s to get another comp. I think we're going to run yeah. out of goaltending pretty yeah. fast. But I think, I think that's it. And I, this isn't going to be, and I'm, I'm sorry if I step on any Leafs toes here, but I think Freddie Anderson was, was, a, was really good in Toronto. And I think it gets a little bit of, a little bit of extra flack that he didn't deserve for, for his performance in Toronto. He was unappreciated, underappreciated, we'll call that. 
That's that's yeah, yeah. that's fair. I think I think that's fair. It's just <laughs> those game sevens. Exactly. Yeah! That, but again, small sample. We we're like yeah. the preacher, yeah. the, the biggest preachers of small sample size, and like we stuck with. Yeah. It and, hey, we won a playoff series last year, right? So exactly. You don't it, get to 2019 against the Bruins. You don't get to game seven without Frederick exactly. Anderson. He was lights exactly. out. But then in game seven, he just gives up <laughs> a muffin to start, and it's like ah. Oh. <laughs> But, but that's then, as you mentioned, sports, like right? you can't go too far back with comparisons with goalies. And it's funny. I don't know. I don't have no idea why I was doing this, but I was watching game. Oh, it was because I was trying to inspire myself because the Leafs were down three hours against <laughs> the Panthers. And so I went back and I watched Philadelphia, Boston, and I'm watching Tuka Rask in net. And so Ben, you would know right now the recoil where it's both feet go back at the same time. I'm watching this guy's hips move like crazy. It seemed like I was like, "What the hell is he doing in net?" Because he's doing sea cuts. So oh. that's where you can't. That's that. That was 2010. That's not that long ago. So that's where you can't go too far back with goalies. It's kind of crazy. No, like, and this is something that I think is again. I like to put it out there as as kind of a goalie guy this way that like goaltending kind of works in like five to seven year cycles where like we have changed and modernized the game to varying degrees, like big changes every like five to seven years. We're now kind of in a period since about, you know, 2015, 16, where we haven't had a ton of change. We've kind of reached a relative stability point. There hasn't been any major league changes, which typically does influence stuff as well. Right. I mean, the league's changed goalie equipment sizes a million times at this point now. Um, Right. So we haven't had one of those in a little bit. So the goalies haven't had to adjust too, too much, but yeah, historical comps are, are really hard. Yeah. Um, and I think they're either they are becoming hard even a little bit for players as well to make those comps because the game's mm-hmm. just changed so much. Yeah. But yeah, goaltending, yeah, I think honestly, when I look around the league, and again, this is this is my bold take. I think the most similar playing style that if you go watch a bunch of footage is Sorokin in, in New York. I think they complement each other size-wise, positional and movement-wise. Um, it's a good comparison. Sorokin has been a uh I think that's a steal at 8.25 and, and that's a lot of money for a goalie. And I think that's a steal. So um, early comps for sure, but playing style, very similar characteristic wise, right? Mm-hmm. Good skaters, compositional goalies. And again, hopefully we see 25 games for wall this year and, and yeah. everyone can appreciate those good things that he does. College football fans. Are you ready for week one? DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking you up with a can't miss offer to start the season strong. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on college football and score $200 in bonus bets instantly. Anything can happen in college football. Your team could go from unranked to dynasty mode in just a couple of years. Change comes fast. The only thing that's a lock is the great offers from DraftKings Sportsbook. Life's more fun when you're in on the action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code THPN. New customers can score $200 in bonus bets instantly when they bet just $5 on college football. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text hope NY 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, KS, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario, cdkng.co slash football for eligibility, terms, and responsible gaming resources. 
Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Yeah, it's, I, I, you touched a bit on this before. I was going to ask you a bit about Martin Jones, but you kind of already touched on it. So I'm going to kind of gel these next two questions together. Just tell us a little bit more about Martin Jones as a goalie because you had a thread uh, posted about it that it was really enjoyable. And again, if, you, if you're listening to this on audio or if you're on video, you can see Ben's uh, Twitter Twitter handle right there. It's B-C-S-I-E-R-N-I-K. For those listening on audio, go check out Ben on his uh, Twitter feed and you can find that great thread on Martin Jones, but let's give us like a quick TLDR on Martin Jones. And then on top of that, you also touched on this earlier. You had a great article about load management on your Substack, I believe it is uh, it's yep. medium in your bio. I forget what exactly it's called, but um, so with the least potentially going three goalies and a lot of teams kind of shifting towards that three goalie structure, what are, are the days of the alpha goaltender playing 60 plus games behind us? And like, tell us more about load management and what you found from researching it. So Martin Jones first, and then quickly load management. Yeah, really simple. Martin Jones is again kind of the the exact like flex goalie position that a lot of teams are going for, where it's a goalie you know exactly what you're going to get out of Martin Jones, and what you're going to get out of Martin Jones again is a simple positional goalie makes a lot of first saves, doesn't make a ton of flashy stuff. Right. He's the guy who you put a net and the team in front of him knows where he's going to succeed and knows what he's not going to do. And I think for for, again, younger teams or, again, more offensively inclined teams. Now, the Leafs have been pretty good defensively the past few years. So uh, as much as some Leafs fans don't want to hear that, it has been a good defensive team. Um, Jones provides some stability because, again, you just don't have that that variability. I think. He's now, again, later in his career, I think you're probably not expecting him to, to I don't think the Leafs are expecting him to play 30 games this year. Um, I think we're, we're much more expecting Jones to kind of be up and down and, and sort of, again, come in for those games where you have, you know, those four and eights or those four and sevens where the weird NHL schedule happens sometimes. And you just want to, again, get a guy in there who can provide a really stable game. I think when you will see Jones in net this year, I think, I kind of get flashbacks to that that first playoff game where Wall was in net, where that team just collapsed in front of the net. I think you'll see teams in front of him collapse a lot more towards the net. Uh, Jones is pretty consistent. Again, straight line shots, all that kind of stuff. He's not going to make the big backdoor save anymore. It's also never really been his game anyway, mm-hmm. right? So don't expect those huge dynamic saves, but consistent. And sorry, yeah. No, no, go ahead, go ahead, please. Yeah, I was just gonna, I was gonna, I was just gonna tie that in kind of right into the, to the load manager piece. So. We hear it all the time, uh, NBA inspired for sure, right? And so yeah. there is, yeah. I, I mean, and for Toronto people, right? Like, I think the first thing really came on, the, we always talk about Kawhi Leonard, Kawhi, right? Yeah. So, yeah, that's everyone always hears load management. Now, Kawhi's got a full sports management team that has like eight professionals that decide whether he's playing or not. So that's a pretty intense system that they use over there. And they're doing a ton of metrics on it. Um, none of that has been like super published in a public space to demonstrate that it really does anything, uh, but it's kind of fun. So there's that. When I look at, when we look at load management, we look at the leading researchers on like load management, uh, they call it again, just training load monitoring. So it's a little less flashy, but what we basically see, what all the researchers come down to when we boil it down is that you can't get hurt if you don't play. Fair. <laughs> like, <laughs> right like you boil it down you think about we talk about sleep nutrition recovery all those things that nhl teams have and that they're you know they're the resources are available but at the end of the day uh i, I did a little thread earlier on uh, a few weeks ago about, about goalie injuries and there's been a you know a big thing about goalies getting hurt more um goalie injuries have been pretty stable over time which i think is interesting uh those trends haven't really changed very much 
Uh, I think what we're seeing a lot more now is goalies, when they do get injured, are just taking more time to recover. There's you have those flex goalie positions. Teams aren't rushing to get that, you know, that true number one back in the net because they have, you know, a, a second, a third, maybe even a fourth goalie who can provide NHL level goaltending, right? Or at least, you know, suitable NHL level goaltending. So you I mean, take unless you're the Toronto Maple Leafs <laughs> over the last two years, right? Like frick, we had seems like our like Campbell. Uh, sorry, we had Mrazic, he got injured. Then Campbell came in, he played well. He got injured. Mrazic came back. Mrazic <laughs> played like crap. And then he got injured. And we had Eric Schalgren, and then Mrazic got hurt again. Like, that was just one season. And then that didn't even touch on Matt Murray, too. So Yeah, and so the, the Leafs have had some goaltending uh, injury issues, to say the least, over the past few years. But I think, again, what we're going to see is, and you, and you look at some like the Leafs this year, right? Like, right, as of right now, and, and what I think everyone's going to say is that Ilya Samsonov is, is the guy for them, right? In the playoffs, yeah. they're going to want to have, when the Leafs make the playoffs next year, because they're going to make the playoffs next year because they're a good team, um, they're going to want, probably going to want Ilya Samsonov as their starting goalie, right? The best thing that they can have is that make sure that he's healthy throughout the entire year, right? I think, like I said this earlier this year, when, when again, um, Samsonov, got hurt and wall came into the playoffs for the Leafs. I said like the biggest disservice was that wall didn't get 15 or 20 games in the year. Right. Like that was, had he had that amount of games, you know, like I, I think we see a very, I'm not sure we see a super different thing. That series was kind of a tough spot. Yeah, of course. But again, I think that's, there's a level of goalie environment, like acclimatization, goalies need to get familiar with the team around them and vice versa defensively. Like structures should change as your goalies in net, Right. Um, so I think we'll see that to, to counterbalance. Again, you don't want Samson off hurt, so let's play him less, right? If he does tweak something, okay, give him a full two, three weeks off instead of, you know, getting him back in four or five days. You just have a bigger buffer to ensure that guys are coming back healthier when they do have those minor tweaks. Um, and that's, I think that's what I think the, the, you know, the applied version of load management is, right? Like when a goalie does tweak something, when those hips are achy and you talk to any goalie, that happens during a season, right? They're going to complain of hip stuff or knee stuff during that year. When that happens, you can pull them back a little bit because you have Joseph Wall, you have Martin Jones. That can be, you know, you know, two games in two weeks for, for Samsonov instead of getting him in four, right? There's just that flexibility so that he is not building on stuff that's tweaking and aching. You can just kind of pull that back. And like I said, at the end of the day, he's not in the net in the game. He's sitting in a press box or sitting on the bench. He's not going to pull his groin. He's not going to tear his ACL. Yeah. That, that Actually, I, I got a counter to that. <laughs> Jose Theodore, I believe years ago when he got traded from Montreal to, to, to Colorado that year, I think he got injured literally sw- slipping on his porch. You're very likely to not get injured if you're not playing. Yeah, we can, we can try to minimize it as much as possible, right? Yeah, exactly. Bubble wrap so- I'm so happy you brought up the Joseph wall and playing 10 games because that makes me feel super vindicated because I think on this podcast, we talked a lot about like, listen, trade deadline, Matt Murray. He's like, we've seen him enough. Let's just stick him, not let him play. And like, let's see Joseph wall ride. And I think that was one of the most frustrating things as a viewer of the Leafs last year, not, not seeing this guy play as many games as he should have. And then ending up going to him in the playoffs. So I know you kind of predicted a number for how many games, uh, Samsonov wall and, Jones will play in the season, but it, like what scenario do you see where Joseph Wall can jump Samsonov this year? Do you think that's even possible? Or do you think he'd have to like literally like is it only him going nuclear and being like literally Vesna caliber for him to jump uh 
jump Samsov, or is like is there just no way just based on contract allocation things like that? Yeah, I think that's actually that's like one of the hardest things to to kind of get into the mind of an organization, right? Like the the biggest thing I think for a lot of coaches working in hockey now, like coaches have someone that they just have a feeling for sometimes, and that you know can be frustrating as fans, can be frustrating as just you know if you're part of the team, right? Coaches rely a lot on like intuition, right? How they're feeling about the, how they think their their team plays in front of a goalie, how they like the structure in front of that goalie or, you know, the stability that that goalie provides within their own structure. Now, teams are obviously like, and again, the Leafs are an extremely data-driven team. Um, like they have a very, very, very impressive research and analytics department. Um, so they are doing a lot of stuff behind the scenes or openly depending on, on kind of who you see. So like there is a lot of information coming in that organization that they're doing a lot of stuff. I think in, I think there's a chance that he could be a starting goalie. Like I, I do really think he has the potential hmm. to, to be an NHL caliber starting goalie and, and a pretty good one because I am a huge Joseph Wall believer and I really like the way he plays. Like the way that he plays in that again, calm skater and a, a sound positional goalie. Those are the two big things that, you know, when I'm watching goalies, that's the things that I look for. Right. Cause I think that translates well to just consistency. And at the end of the day with sport filled with so much variance, you want the most consistent option, right? Cause you're going to get pucks off a shin pad off a player in the net. And so you can't control that. Right. I think again, like I said, I, I kind of said, I, I would expect around 20. I think that'd be a really good number 2025 for wall to play. If he's in that backup role, I honestly, like I said, I, I don't know. I think for everything I hear, that's the, that's the plan is to have again, Jones in the flex. Um, but I would love to. I would love to see Wall get thirty or forty this year, right? I would have loved him to see him get thirty or forty last year. Like I do think he yeah. was kind of ready for that. Uh, I think he's kind of he's paid his dues a little bit, and again, he hasn't played a ton of games in the AHL. Again, early career marred by a lot of those uh, pandemic-related season Shutdown. issues. He also had a shoulder injury. He had a big yeah. injury. That yeah. Right. So again, he only played again between, you know, the Leafs and the Marlies last year. If you just take regular season games, he only played 28 games last year. Right. Which is the most he's played in a professional season minus his first one in the AHL back in 2019, 2020. Right. So he has not played a lot, which I think is probably why you haven't seen him being pushed more. People are probably just feeling like, you know, he hasn't yeah. earned that. Right. But again, I think he's ready for it. I think you kind of got to throw goalies into the deep end a little bit. Uh, otherwise you just end up having them sit around for forever. I, I tell the story again, this is a little bit of a sidetrack, but like a really good example of not promoting your young guys is there, the LA Kings drafted Matt Villalta a few years ago. He probably didn't play an NHL game. So Mafield may have never heard of him, right? Played in Sault Ste. Marie, um, undrafted OHL goalie, and then got drafted in the NHL out of being undrafted. So little fun prospect pipeline, but he just signed with, uh, with Arizona after playing zero pro games in LA system he's played in Ontario in the AHL for the last three years, right? He's 24, right? Like, it's like, Hey, you just, you, you just lost your draft pick to Arizona, right? Um, because you didn't give him a chance And LA's goaltending last year. Best. Not great. <laughs> you had to go um, out and get Corpus Allo. And on top of that, look at their goalies. I was thinking about it. I don't know why this, like for this season, it's David Riddick who, I believe you said had the easiest workload ever last year and only put up like a 900 and they have cam Talbot who they're hoping they're hoping and praying comes back to some sort of form. And then they have Phoenix Copley as well, who was a teammate of Jamie Phillips here. Everybody. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I, so again, and now they lose a goalie out of their system, right? Um, 
it's it's stuff like this, right? So it's those situations. And again, I, I'm hoping that now Wall should be in the NHL and that doesn't happen again. But that's the things that I think, right? Where it's like, you know, this, this these kids have good numbers, kids. These guys have these pros have good numbers at 20, age 22, age 23, they're playing well. You got to find some games for them, right? And it's tough because at the end of the day, you got to win games in the NHL. Every game matters in that regular season for the most part. But again, if the goal is to find cheap good goaltending which that's what the goal should be that is the yes. that is that is yeah. the money money ball money pocket hockey right now is good cheap goaltending and uh at 700 some odd thousand dollars that is joseph wall so yeah and it, it also like it leads up to what you're saying like it lines up perfectly what will calgary do this season with dustin wolf i mean they yeah. have markstrom on the books for a bunch of money they have uh Ladar. The big Vladar yeah. as well for two million bucks or something like that. And then you have Dustin Wolf, who's been dominant at every level. And he's on an contract. What do you do with him? So you better get him in, in the net soon, I think. Yeah, and that's gonna be a really interesting situation in Calgary too, right? Like again, if anyone's listening to this, um Dustin Wall, like you you go start Dustin Wall. Dustin Wolf, you go back and look at his statistics. That guy is I don't think he's like ever had a bad season. I think he yeah, said only insane. good only good seasons since he was 16. Like I, I have never seen a goaltending run like this. Um, yeah, but like you said, Calgary, and to be fair, again, and I, I've written about this as well, but Calgary's defensive structure um, crumbled a little bit last year. There was something like, uh, I was running some numbers, and it was something like a 25 or 30% uptake in offensive chances against in Calgary from 20 for like this past season from the one before. So Markstrom was not super great. Vladar was fine. Uh, they didn't have their best seasons. I'm not sure either of them would say that they had their best seasons. But Calgary also gave up a, a decent amount of chances. So Even if you're not going on vacation, summer's all about a vacation state of mind. Whether I want to listen to Taylor Swift on repeat or just need to retreat inside my own head for a bit, I love crafting my own summer soundtrack by popping in my Raycon wireless earbuds. There's so much going on all summer. Sometimes you need to some upbeat music to pump you up before you see people or stay calm with some guided meditation. Personally, I love blasting Taylor Swift on my way home from the gym like Richie and the Bear. Let me tell you right now, Raycons are the best way to listen. Use earbud tap functions to toggle between three customizable sound profiles, noise isolation, and awareness mode. Raycons have a 32-hour battery life, including eight hours of playtime, so you can listen to what you want when you want for a really long time. They come with custom gel tips for the most comfortable in-ear fit. They start at half the price of other premium audio brands, but they sound just as good. And Raycons come with a 30-day happiness guarantee, so you really can't lose. Create your own soundtrack with Raycon. Right now, Rank Rat Report listeners can get 15% off their Raycon order at buyraycon.com THPN. That's buyraycon.com slash THPN to save 15% off on Raycons. Buyraycon.com slash THPN. Yeah. So I, I, have a, I didn't watch ahead. too, too much Calgary, but also you'll, you'll, you'll know about this as well in terms of feel and how, how the goalies felt in net. A lot of Flames fans were saying like they would get 20 shots in a row. The shots would be 20 to two. And then you'd give up a breakaway and it's in the back of the net. And it's like, 
damn. Yeah. <laughs> like, can't you can't you give me a couple from the blue line first? So yeah. that that feel kind of is, is a little bit awkward there as well. Sorry, Jason, to cut you off there. So no, no, I was just gonna ask because you dropped like a little nugget there that I kind of want to unpack. You talked about like was it Calgary's defensive structure and how it kind of fell back last year compared to two years ago? Yeah. Um. So what's your kind of like process behind figuring that kind of stuff out? And this kind of ties into this question where uh, when when you're building a team. Right. Like when you're like, let, like, let's let's wear our GM hats right now. When we're building a team, do you think that you need a goalie of a like of multiple goalies of a similar style for the team uh, to kind of go off of how the team in front of him plays? Does that kind of make sense? I, I know that question's a little bit odd, but like how much I guess the question I'm trying to ask is how much does the team in front of the goalie drive what you need in your goaltender from a GM perspective? So this is the million dollar idea. Uh, so I'll tell everyone that I'm available for hire. This is my idea. No one else can implement it. Um, I think the one of the next biggest change or one of the bigger changes that we're going to see in, in team development over the next few years are teams stacking three, four goalies by playing style. Like, uh, like based on, again, now there's a lot of volatility in coaching and systems and they're always changing. But yeah, there is a, a type of goaltending that fits a system, right? I don't think coaches are going to change their system around a goalie, but mm -hmm. there are definitely goalies who are going to succeed and fit in a system. And there's going to be some who do it better than others. Right. I think it's a great question. Like, I think you should realistically, you know, try and have goalies who play similarly because otherwise you're having these crazy swings. Like a really good example. And, and you brought up before is like David Riddich versus Connor Hallibuck and Winnipeg. Very different goalies. Very, very different goalies. Anyone who's watching out David Riddich knows that he is an ultra flexible, wide, slidey goalie. Connor Hellebuck is the complete opposite of that. Right. Again, a positionally sound guy who doesn't slide around and get a position much at all. Also not super flexible. Um, right. Very different goaltending styles. And that's probably why a part of why Riddich might have, you know, again, not have done that well in a system that was seemingly pretty good in a quiet team. Right. Because, again, maybe now, you know, the team is so used to playing in front of Connor Hellebuck that you have a real big difference of playing styles between those two goalies. Um I think, like I said, I, I wrote this up on Twitter before and talked about it, but I think Martin Jones does complement the way that Sam Sonoff plays. I think that, you know, these fans, if you watch both of them play, um, they're not the same by any means. Uh, I guess I, I do think Sam Sonoff is a clear number one there and is a very a good NHL goalie. Um, but I, I think you'll see more of a similar style that way into the type of saves they make and the type of style they do. So are teams heading that way? I don't really think so because I think teams, a lot of teams are just like, eh, goalies and, and move on, right? <laughs> But I think, again, if you build out a team, if you have a dedicated system, I think that's where you find value in goaltending, right? I think that's where the, the money is and, and the fit is, right? And if you spend less money on goaltending, you can spend more money on players, makes your system better, and now you can find cheaper goaltending that fits that system, and the cycle kind of just begets itself, right? So I'm sorry for all the, you know, the goalie union. I'm sorry for the goalie union who's mad at me that I'm fighting against contracts right now. <laughs> <laughs> Pay them less. Um, no, I, I'm fully on board with this. Like, this is like, I, I you and I are very. My question actually to Jason now, is that kind of like in, in the NFL? Cause you're, Jason's a big football guy. Big football is that guy. like the quarterback backup quarterback question? Kind, Do you have this two same guys or. Well, yeah. Like kind of. Cause like you, it, right? it depends on the team, but a lot of coaches will say like, they don't like to put together different playbooks for different 
different quarterbacks. Like you look at the San Francisco 49ers, right? It looks like Sam Darnold's. I'm sorry, this is going to go off on a little tangent, but it looks like <laughs> looks like Sam Darnold's probably going to beat out Trey Lance for that backup role. And it's probably because Sam Darnold is very similar to Brock Purdy than Trey Lance is to Brock Purdy. And then same thing with the Ravens. The Ravens very like RG3, um, Caleb Huntley. Uh, they have the, that same t- style of guy to Lamar Jackson, who they want to have. So they don't, if an injury occurs, you can just sub the guy in and you're not getting, you're not getting Lamar Jackson. You're getting like, Daniel Jones, Tyrod Taylor. Daniel Jones. Exactly. Yeah. There's tons of examples. Yeah. That's a good point. So I think that's kind of where the question originated from was like thinking about football and stuff. So yeah. Um, Yeah. (laughs) No, it's great. Like I said, I think it's, again, I, hockey has been pretty guilty of this for a long time, which is like, you just take the best available player, right? That's the philosophy. That's the philosophy in the draft because you're, you know, you're projecting on players for years out. doesn't matter what position you need. Right. Even your second, third overall pick might not sign in the NHL. Now, this past year was a talent anomaly, but most years, right, like you're still getting guys going back to junior. So it's always been hockey's always been a best person up sport. Right. I think we are starting to shift that now. And maybe this will tie into another question. I think modeling goaltending is really hard. And I think that is like the next big thing that can still be developed in hockey uh, or further developed. Um, but I think that also ties into it as well. We're, we're just like, you know, we, I always say that goaltending evaluation is like a heuristic driven process. It's like, right. That goalie gets it. They can make a big save. Right. And I encourage everyone, there's some really good draft guides out there. Um, there's some really not as good draft guides out there, but go read some goalie scouting reports. Um, I remember reading one that said, this goalie knows how to make a big save. And I sat there going, I mean, I hope, I hope so. <laughs> like, 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 has it's it's like, and again, I, it, everyone again now with the kind of the analytics era, everyone likes to pull it back uh, to to Moneyball, right? But it's like the scene where they're sitting around and and you know has a great swing. We still do that about goalies because we don't have better evaluation yeah. methods. Okay, I, girlfriend, show yeah. confidence. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So. I mean, let, let's just unpack this then, because I, I think I, I think I know what you're alluding here to, like the predictive me- predictive metrics and stuff. So, what have you found from your research into uh, the draft and to goaltender statistics? What do you, have you found anything that's available publicly that can be either modeled out publicly or um, something along those lines where, like, you find a statistic that is predictive of future success, right? Because honestly, all we use right now is save percentage goals against average that's like the general public if you want to get like a little sharper you do expected goal saved above average or a bucks expected goal saved above expected but i don't think either of those are good predictive measure as good of predictive measures for individual goalie talent it's more so for player talent right so what like i've, I've seen money puck talk about puck freezes over expected i don't think that's a thing either like so it's so it's it's so hard to find good predictive metrics so like why don't you tell us a little bit more about what you found and what you're trying to do to try and like remedy this this problem we have with public public statistics and goaltenders right so i think like first and foremost i think anyone who's doing work in the public space i think a lot of the work people do whether i think it's accurate or whether i think it's actually what they're saying i'm always so impressed by it like the amount of Mm -hmm. time and energy that goes into to all the people who do that project so shout out to all the modelers out there and all the stats yes yes. Um, (laughs) way above my head that's why i can't even even, even begin to imagine what it takes i tried it's impossible (laughs) yeah right so i I think the i think the biggest hang up and this is something again that that i've been kind of talking and, and toying around about is i think when we look at again evaluation metrics i think you can only model with the data that you have and i think the data that we have with goaltending isn't good enough like i think that's really just cut and dry i think the things that we are measuring 
a lot of the time um, is, is not satisfactory for long-term stability, right? So if you look at things like save percentage, you look at things like, again, goals saved above expected, there isn't this stable line, right? Which is what leads to everyone being like, oh, goaltending is voodoo, right? Because there's no consistency with it. Well, it, I think that always begs the question of, is it is it the goaltending isn't a consistent thing or is it the measures that we're using to evaluate goaltending don't accurately hold up over time? There's too much interseason variance. Uh, there's too many weird shifts that go on. There's unaccounted stuff for. So I think a lot of the time that sort of work and, and, and predicting of who's going to be great the next year is, is too broadly influenced by other factors right now. And we, we haven't been able to isolate things. Like I still think public models and expected goals is the, is one of the best things that we have. But again, you should, everyone should uh, be aware of, you know, in public models, we don't have pre-shot movement, which is one of the big ones, right? That's, I think, the number one thing, yeah. um, especially in goalie land, right? So, like, I'm not sure from, like, a, a goal scoring perspective, from a player evaluation perspective, the ability to put the puck in the net on a more consistent basis than not is good, right? But I think when we, we back that out and look at it at the goalie lens, um, I think we we don't have it the right way. I remember having a conversation with, with someone who does really, really great work um, and at no point have they considered or wanted to know where the goalie was relative to the puck on a chance. Cause their view is that a shot is not a shot scoring chance is not influenced by the goalie. It's rather influenced by the entire play around them. And I could not disagree more, right? Like I know that from a coaching perspective and from a playing perspective, right? Like there's definitely chances where a goalie gets into the right spot, reads that play early, beats the puck. They're there in time. Player doesn't shoot. Player puts the puck in their chest, right? All those sorts of things that we don't have to quantify right now. And I think honestly, the, the ability to try and get better statistics and better methods of measuring goalies is expensive, time consuming, and teams are just like, ah, right? Like, I think it's just hard to do. Like something that I think yeah. is really, really interesting. And if people are, you know, people listen to this, go back and watch uh, any junior goalies or any of the goalies Leafs have drafted in the past and want to see what looks back. The thing I would ask you to look at is look at how many times a puck beats them on a clean shot. And that could be whether it goes in, whether it misses the net, whether it hits the post, whatever that looks like. But I think you actually start to see a lot from how many clean shot beats goalies give up. And that's one of the big indicators of something that is consistent over time. Because a clean one-on-one -on -one shot is an isolated situation between a shooter and a goaltender. Very rarely in other game situations do you get that. It's one of the only isolated chances for goalies, right? So I think if you want to look at something that's consistent, is what's that clean shot ratio? So a little bit of that's my that's my thing I'd love to see measured if we could look forward and, and, and look at prospecting. Um, but I think our current statistics right now don't really give us a lot to, to, to kind of go off of especially from like a prospect pipeline at the NHL level. Good luck. Like you're going to see who can do well on, a, on an ind individual season benefit, like a placement But from year to year. Uh, you just kind of look at seeing the guys who've been able to perform. And there are a few of them, yeah. but yeah. it's, it's far and few and far between. So. Yeah. It's like, look at, look at Jake Markstrom. We were, Jason and I were talking about him last episode because Jason had him as a, uh, a bounce back candidate. Mm -hmm. And he went from 904 to Vesna 930 or whatever back down to an 892 last year. It's just like, how do you really predict that part? But I will say this, and like further to your point, I was listening to, I think it was PDO cast with Kevin Woodley, and mm -hmm. he had all the clear sight analytics, the private, which is a private model. 
he had them all in front of him. And Dmitry Filipovich was asking, like, who do you think is Buffalo? It looks like should, or maybe they'll trade for a goalie. Maybe they'll sign one. Who knows? And it's like, who do you think would fit in Buffalo's system? And he looked at it and he said, well, like, you could go out and get Connor Hellebuck. He's not going to be a Vesna candidate there. Look where Connor Hellebuck's weakness is. Look at where what the Sabres give up the most of. And it was not a good fit there. And then even went Jeremy Swayman, same thing. It's like, the to, so back to Jason's point earlier, the defensive structure in front of the goalie, does it favor to that goalie's strengths, yes or no? That's a huge part of it. And I think you even look back at Detroit went and get, got Nadelka. That's that system fit horrible with him. Horrible. And then he's out he's out of yeah. Carolina two years later. Or Detroit two years later. Yeah. No, that and again, yeah, being in Carolina system and like the Carolina organization is like again just an absolute powerhouse of the whole organization top down. Um, but again, they play a really favorable system. That's why you have, you know, two goalies in their mid to late thirties in Freddie Anderson and uh, uh, Antti Ranta who are excellent there because they play a really solid. And again, you want to look at two goalies who play a similar style. Like you have them. And then honestly, make it number three, Kachekov's not far off. That might actually be the answer to the three most consistent goalies in a, in a fit. Those are pretty three, pretty similar goalies across the three of them. Um, the one thing I was also going to say is with, with Markstrom too, right. Is, you know, he also, took a huge jump in games played that season that played. And he also had a really, again, pretty easy year, that 922 year a few years ago. I think he had like one of the easiest seasons of like all time from the past, like six years in terms of danger chances. So yeah, great year, but just like a light load. And that again, goalies a reactive position, right? I will never criticize a goalie for a team giving up 22 shots. I, you don't get <laughs> right. Like that's not your problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, but I think, yeah, that's uh it's definitely going to be an interesting thing. I think Markstrom, yeah, I think Markstrom has a lot of bounce back potential. I think there's a big shift happening in Calgary and he's got the potential to do it. I, I've been a big fan of his again, since back in, I'm going to date myself now, but back all the way when he's in Florida, right? Which is 20, yeah. 2011. <laughs> so, yeah. All right, good. I was I was a little worried you're gonna say that my my bounce back candidate pick was a bad pick. I was gonna say, hey, you're on our podcast. You gotta, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, with with respect to what you do uh, over at on at, at uh, university as a student, uh, you mentioned that you do a lot of research with draft trends and what NHL teams are trying to do, getting into the mind of an organization and how they draft and what they're looking for. So. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about that? Because like just from the preliminary talks before we had the, before we hopped on here and hit the record button, I was super excited to learn more about it. So I'm not even going to ask you like a specific question. Just it, you're the floor is yours. Tell us about what you're doing here. So I'll keep it really simple because I think the results that we've seen are, are really simple. Uh, teams like to draft tall goalies who play a lot of games and we're done. All right, moving on. So <laughs> So it's again, so again, goaltending evaluation is, is really tricky, right? Like you look at a team's scouting department, they don't have a, like a half dozen goalie scouts that are deciding who they're going to pick, right? Teams, you know, teams might have between, you know, three and 11 picks in a season, whatever that number looks like. And they might with 11 picks, not take a goalie, right? There's just such less of an emphasis on it. Mm -hmm. And so teams do a couple things, which is they take, again, very rarely do teams go off board for goalies. Right. Like you see, we saw this year's first round for players and there's a little bit of movement. Guys fell a bunch off board. Right. Like a lot of movement that way. Very, very, very rarely do we see off board goalie movement. Right. Because there's just such a smaller pool. Go back to your sample size thing. I'm happy to bang that drum for you guys, too. 
Um, but when it comes to what teams are looking for, there, there is, again, a couple of things, right? They, if you're not tall, you're not going to get drafted, which that's just the trend we've seen in the last 12 years. There are exceptions, and I think there should be more exceptions to it. I think teams um, get really, really fascinated with the idea of projecting onto goalies. But I think when you're drafting an 18 or 19 year old, I think you need to be aware that like that game's not going to change very much. So if you're drafting off raw tools for a goalie, we just talked about this, like how, how quickly are they going to get into like a, a highly controlled professional setting where they can then develop that stuff? Or are you just, you know, letting them play wherever they want? And we, we talk about that a lot in our, our, our podcast at Goalie Science. We, that's my, my biggest end rant there is that, you know, if you're just going to draft a goalie to put them in Idaho in the ECHL at 20, I don't know if that I don't know if that's the best move for your prospect, right? And so you have to be aware of that as an organization. Um, outside of that, there's a really fun what we call like a I mean, this is in other draft research is like a FOMO trend, right? Where a team will find a goalie out of the middle of nowhere league that no one's ever heard of, and then teams are like, "Well, we should go look there. That guy rocks," <laughs> right? Like the 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 classic story, and uh, I get yelled at a lot. I always tell this one, but Sergey Bobrovsky is undrafted largely because he played in like the third Russian junior league, his NHL draft year. Um, and was like, I think he played in like Novo Norsk. So it was like, or Novo, I'm going to, I'm butchering that, but like played in a place that was one hard to get to two. This was like the late two thousands um, and three, right? Like it was, no one's going there to watch him. There's been a couple goalies drafted out of the Russian third league since. Um, and for the same reason that they think goalies might be hiding in places and they're like, well, you know, we saw this guy play a couple times and he's great and we're not going to use this sixth or seventh round pick anyways. Let's go grab that guy. So you do see FOMO trends um, where if you looked at even this past year, lots and lots and lots of European guys in the late five, six, fifth, sixth, seventh round, right? Uh, because that is, they're like, well, we saw them and we don't know much about that, but at least, you know, those leagues produce someone. So uh, the other one to go back to look at that's been really interesting to look at is uh, when Connor Hellebuck was drafted, he was drafted out of the NHL. So the North American Hockey League, which is a it's like the second highest junior A league in, in the U.S. Uh, the, the story always goes that the scout who saw him was there to watch the other goalie and saw him in that game. And, and that's the story of how he was first, you know, put on the radar. It was, it was an accident. Um, which I always find this is that's a classic goalie story. Pekka Rene was scouted out of a backup of a warm up in a game. That's Pekka yes, Rene's draft story, yes, right? Yeah. So that, but again, go back to like, what are we drafting goalies off of? This is what we're drafting goalies off of, right? These. <laughs> like, so yeah, like very in depth scientific evaluation is what we're drafting goalies off of. But go back to Connor Hellebuck, right? So he gets drafted out of the North American Hockey League, and then. Pretty much ever since, you'll catch a bunch of goalies drafted out of the league. And it's a pretty good league. Don't get me wrong. But the USHL is objectively a better league, and it's right there. And we're not seeing nearly as many goalies drafted out of that league as we've seen out of the NHL, which is funny to me. Um, but again, it's like, okay, who, you know, maybe it's that diamond in the rough. Maybe we didn't see that guy enough, you know, all those kind of thoughts creep in. And, and that's where we get those decision makings going. So if you're wondering next year, who the Toronto Maple Leafs will take if it's a goalie. He's probably tall, probably played a lot of games in whatever league he played. <laughs> and that's, uh, that is often the deciding factor. So you haven't heard already. It's smooth sack summer. When you're playing in the summer sun, make sure you're escape from pubes to bum. That's right. This is the summer to keep your balls cool while still looking hot with manscaped. 
The leaders in below the waist grooming are making sure we all have a ball this summer by giving our pants partners everything they need to stay fresh. Dive headfirst into smooth sack summer by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with our code RINKRAT. That is R-I-N-K-R-A-T. Get 20% off and free shipping with code RINKRAT at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code RINKRAT at manscaped.com. We've talked about them. Uh, the underwear are fantastic. That's probably my favorite uh, product from them, but the razors are stupendous as well. Again, promo code RINKRAT, R-I-N-K-R-A-T at manscaped.com. Take a look in your underwear. If there's a rip, throw those things out, you disgusting piece of garbage, and go to manscaped.com, 20% off and free shipping. That's so interesting. The last three that they've taken, I think, were Hilda B, who's six foot six, yep. Hexa, and then Arthur Atomov, who yes, Atomov, I believe played for the same team or something like that. But going back to what you said about Bobrovsky, Metalurg Novo Kuznetsk, Russian third division in his draft year. Oh, sorry, Metalurg Novo Kuznetsk, two. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that's like uh, that's Russian a great example. Yeah, right. So, yeah, sorry. Novo Norsk is a big European uh, funding agency. They can pass the money our way. I'm sure they got money. No, <laughs> so but yeah, it's again stories like that. Those are things that are again these are the classic goalie stories, and I, I love it. I heard someone else I mentioned that goaltending sometimes is a bit of survivorship bias. Like who can just like who can wait it out long enough to get a chance? Yeah, and and that's a big part of it too, right? Like that's what happened with Logan Thompson this year in Vegas, right? So yeah. Yeah. What what a story that is. Friend of the show. Not actually, but I just like to say friend of the show because <laughs> I love I I like Logan Thomas a lot. Um so one more question with regards to this. Uh, oh, actually one similarity. Sorry to cut you off, Jason. One similarity. Myself, Ben, Logan Thompson, all you sports one and dones, I believe. Happy to be here. Uh, <laughs> I think I played I think I, I think I played a total of like three regular season games in my one year of youth hockey. So pretty big, pretty big showing, I'd say. So that that basically means you have a I one got, in three chance two. to make the NHL if you play U Sports. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There we go. Yeah. There, there's I got the two games up. my year, and it was because everyone else got injured. Like everyone in front of me got injured, and that so. and that's the way it goes, right? Uh, just okay. one more thing with right. regards to <laughs> one more thing with regards to uh, drafting goaltending and uh, like the trends you're seeing here. I know this isn't kind of where your work lies. And I guess this kind of ties into the question we talked about a little bit before with statistics. Like, where do you see, like, wh- what needs to be done to kind of improve the process here? Is it just simply at, like building out a scouting, bigger goalie scouting department? Is it investing more money and time into stats? Like, if you had, let's say you had unlimited money right now, how would you build out like a scouting department for research and goaltending and, and stuff like that? Yeah. So I think the the way that you kind of have to, to, to look at it is start by like again what are the what are the like the theory behind like what we think is what makes you a goalie right and one of the more challenging parts is we look at kind of like the top goalies in the nhl and they're not very similar playing style wise right and that's where the hang-up starts is we look at these goalies and our first view at them is they don't look like they do the same things well and that's where we're visually we're just wrong they do the same things well they just look different doing it Right. Like a really good example for all our top guys. So I think of the top guys as, as pretty much I think most people think of the same ones now. Right. So it's it's the Sorokin. It's the Shesterkin. It's the Saros. It's the Hellebuck. It's the Vasilevsky. Ottinger's creeping into that. Right. That's those kind of. And I guess it's 
I'd be remiss not to say Linus Allmark had a pretty good year last year too, yeah. right? Like those are kind of the, the big names we think of. And if you look at what their shared characteristics are, that's the first place you want to start, right? Let's identify the skills that are across the board leading people. Okay, so once we do that, once we actually break that down, that's step one. Can we then look at if they had those same characteristics when they were drafted, right? Because if they did, okay, now we know that there might be a relationship between what we see them as 17, 18 year olds and then what they're doing in the professional span. And if they don't, we need to know why. We need to know, are people getting better? Or are we just, again, or is that just a happenstance, one-offs, right? This is the biggest challenge of this work is that there's a small sample size of goalies to work with, right? So step one's identifying those skills. Do they exist in the NHL? What are the shared characteristics? I guarantee you, you watch all of those guys. They are rarely out of position on first or second shots, rarely, right? Think of the best ones. Soros looks a lot different on a scrambly or broken play than Hellebuck does, but they get to the same spots. Different ways, but they get to the same spots, right? So can they do that at the beginning? Do they do that in the NHL? From there, you have to then pull out, okay, what are the other things that we can actually measure and how do we measure that from there, right? So again, I talked a little bit about clear shots. I think that's one of the one of the more interesting things is how well do those goalies do on clear shots, right? And I think as fans, Nothing feels more frustrating than the wrist shot from the top of the circle that goes in, right? Yeah. But it happens all the time. Like the Leafs scored up 50 of those last year, right? Guy steps in, Matthew steps in, Marner steps in, shot from just inside the top of the circle goal, right? So it's frustrating to watch, but we love it when we score it. I think it's becoming a more popular goal. And I think that's a pretty good barometer for, for just, again, a simple goalie test. But I would look at, again, how often is your goalie just make, making sure they're in the right spot? Like you see a ton of goals at every level where – Player comes in, takes a shot, and the goalie's kind of in the wrong spot. It's a great shot, but you know, in goaltending world, like he's off his angle. He's not in. He's not in between the middle of the net and the puck. That happens every night in the NHL. Yeah. But we need to be aware of like how regularly it's happening. You know, when we evaluate players, right? So, scouting department should look at that. They should look at. I always say a few things. So, a clean shot ratio. How often is a goalie being in the clean shot? Off angle ratio. How what's the like the shots to non shots where they're in the right spot before the shot came in. Right. Those are the places I would start. But again, as you can imagine, when a team has 80 shot attempts a game, you're marking that down or trying to track that on a camera angle 80 times. It's a person power issue. Yeah. Right. So if I could build that out, those are things I'd start with. I would start with, again, find those characteristics. And then I think there are simple ways to measure it. We just got to do it. So anyone wants to you know, find 40 people and 40 inset accounts and try to change the camera angle until we can get the right one. We're cooking. We can do it. We can all be rich. <laughs> One day, one day. Um, yeah. I lo- yeah, that's that's a great great way to uh, put it. Because yeah, like it's the the biggest thing is manpower. But like you said though, like I think eventually we will get to a spot where teams will be like, all right, we're not able to get enough of an edge on forwards and defensemen drafting and developing through there. The edge has to come through goalies eventually. It it I don't know when, I don't know how, but at some point, hockey always lags behind. But at some point, it'll get there. So um, before we get into, we want to kind of talk a bit about our sponsors over at DraftKings and our, uh, our let's take a look at some odds. But before we get into that, let's quickly go through some bounce back guys you have for goal t- goalies this year and some buy low guys. So to separate the two, I'm, I'm going to ask you the same question, the two questions at the same time though. So bounce back guys, a guy who was once good, kind of like Markstrom who had a bad year last year who could bounce back and buy low guys is simply a guy who hasn't shown it yet, but has a potential to kind of go nuclear or uh, perform much better than expected. I like this. This is a this is a good question. I'm pulling up numbers because I don't want to. I don't want to. I pulled it up. We're good. I don't want to be speaking off the cuff here. 
Uh, okay, I'm good. I can buy you time if you need. I'm, <laughs> no, I'm a good filibuster. No, I'm a uh, I'm good. Okay, so uh, what do you want to start with? Come bounce. We start in bounce back or buy. Let's do bounce back. Why not? Yeah. Okay, bounce back. I think that we are going to see. I think it, I think Jacob Markstrom is a really safe pick. I think we're going to see a lot more. I think last year was was a, was a really big down year. Um, I think that it, there's just no chance that that stays that. It, it, it's just variance, right? At the end of the day, there's so many, I watched about a, a, I went through about 15 of his games, just going through kind of the goals he was letting in. And at some point it just felt like he just couldn't catch a break all year. Right. Like I think I watched a handful of goals, like off a of player, puck comes back. He's in the wrong spot. Just like just tough stuff. And at the end of the day, that's hockey. It's why we watch the game. It's why it's incredibly frustrating sometimes. Right. Um, so that's one of the big ones. Another one that I want to say that again, bounce back is kind of a stretch because again, he dealt with some injury stuff. I think Thatcher Demko is someone who has had a lot of potential. Um, he had that great season a few years back and has kind of been like just dealing with stuff on and off since then. And I think Vancouver has gone through a whole bunch of shifts and changes and they have a pretty good young core now to the point that I think he's again, a really high caliber goalie. So I think that's one that that we should keep an eye out. And my really, really big sleeper pick, and this is someone that's close to my heart. I really hope Elvis Merzlinkis out in Columbus um, has that bounce back season. Uh, he really had a, a tough go to start the year last year. And I think anyone who kind of followed what happened to, to him and the Columbus organization the season before, like shouldn't be too, too surprised about that kind of situation. Um, I'm hoping again that he comes back ready to go because that's a fun goalie to watch. Yeah. Uh, dynamic, super good skater, not always positionally uh, the best, but like a really fun goalie to watch. And as much as I love really, really good goalie, I like to watch fun goaltending too. So those are going to be my, my three. Again, because he was going to be the starter in Columbus last year, right? He went in being the starter. Um, and if we're looking at starters that way, I think he could have a big bounce back here. Yeah, awful, really bad. <laughs> but coming back. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, He's I'm got the tools, my... though, to yeah. sort of cut you off. But it, with Elvis Merzlikas, I found that like he has the tools to be a really good goaltender. And it's similar to. No, I'm not even going to say his name. No, he's not a very good goaltender. <laughs> Elvis Merzlikens, like, like he's big, he skates pretty well, but I just find that this guy never stays square to the puck. It's sort of a similar issue to Jacob Markstrom. Like, I remember once I was, I randomly had on. It was the Blue Jackets and Kraken, and on a play, he he was like flipped the wrong way as the puck was coming. What? But it's such a it it's such a small detail, and you think, okay, just fucking stand there and stop the puck, dude. Like, but yeah. like, it, it a lot more difficult in practice. But it, would you be surprised if next year he just comes in and changes that part, figures out something, and all of a sudden he's good? He's got better defensemen in front of him now too, Damon Severson. Yeah. Ivan Provorov. So it's a good pick. That, yeah. And so, I mean, like, I think they, they should be a little bit better defensively in Columbus than last year. And again, that's a part of it. He was not good. And I don't think he would ever, anyone would say he was. Um, but I think there is, like you said, there's a lot of really, there's really, really good tools there. And again, dynamic goalies are fun to watch, right? Like anyone, again, like a good, a good comp for him is like Carl Vamelka, who just had a great year in Arizona. Um, they play very serious, like very similarly, like very dynamic, not always as positionally controlled as some of the other people we talked about already. Um, but they're fun. And again, some hockey's supposed to be fun, right? We're actually supposed to enjoy watching it once in a while, not just like only focus on the result. And those goalies are fun. A lot of big, big sprawly saves because they're aggressive goalies who are like, again, great skaters. So they allow for those big chances to happen, whether that's good or not. I don't know, but it's fun. 
Exactly. I'm, I'm literally kicking myself because you mentioned, uh, I, I don't know how, how I couldn't think of Thatcher Demko as a bounce back candidate. That is like, with what happened with Vancouver last year, like, come on. I, I, we, we, did a, we did a bounce back draft last episode and I'm just annoyed I didn't pick him. But anyways, uh, <laughs> uh, now on to the next one. Uh, so we did bounce backs. Uh, who are your buy low guys? Can I buy Joseph Wall low? Yes. Is it, you can uh, buy it. <laughs> yes. He is. He's my number one buy low. He is. Um, and, fantasy fantasy fiends out there. This is your guy to get. Yeah. I again, like I think again, I think he should get a pretty favorable schedule. Again, from a fantasy perspective, from a daily fantasy perspective, like I think he's going to get a favorable 25, 28 shot type game load this year. You know, barring he doesn't jump over Central. Um but I think that is going to be probably the number one pick that I think in terms of you, you're going to get a lot of value out of that. Some people that I think are more long-term stuff. Like I actually really like Sam Montembeau's game in Montreal. Montreal, again, not a good team last year. Um, I'm actually a pretty big Sam Montembeau fan. I really like the way he plays under, underappreciated. Like again, the Canadians had sneaky, really good goaltending last year. They were a really not good team in the season, <laughs> but they, again, Jake Allen is uh like it's no slouch whatsoever. He's been a good goalie for a long time. Sam Montembeau um, was really good last year. And again, I think if that's going to be, that's my really big sleeper by low, because again, it's going to be dependent on, on Montreal and how they are as a team goaltending. You're at the mercy of your team. I don't care how great you are, right? How great was UC Saros? Did Nashville make the playoffs? Right. It didn't matter. At the end of the day, like he was again, and probably Vesna robbed in a lot of ways. Like he was so good. Um, but national is not, and you can only get yourself so far. So that's my number two. And if I can toss a third one out there, okay. and this is just like, this is someone that everyone's going to watch this year, no matter what, but I would love to see Devin Levi get 45 games this year. I would love nothing more than to Buffalo to just play Devin Levi and let them be the team that experiments with actually letting a young goalie play. Right. The only other time we've seen a, the team really let a goalie run. And even then, it's not really true. It was Carter Hart in Philly when he came in as a 21 year old. Right. There was a lot of pressure put on Carter Hart as like the face of Canadian goaltending when he came into Philadelphia as a 21 year old. It's a lot to put on a 21 year old. Right. It just is. Um, and he was still pretty decent his first two years. He's been a consistent goalie. He had a one off year um, where the team was decided to not play on the penalty kill anymore. I don't really know how that happened, but they just like decided to, to just give up a million power play goals. Um, but that's like the last time we've, or only recent time we've really seen a young guy just kind of run away with it. I'd love to see, I'd love to see Devin Levi get 45, 50 games this year. I'd love him to be the starter in Buffalo. Whether that's going to happen, I don't know, but I'd love to see it. I still have some faith in Eric Comrie, so maybe he I, holds it still, but yeah, Devin Levi, again, like the, a fantastic prospect. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, Comrie had one of the most outlandish and most outlandish workloads in terms of like scoring chances against last year. And I think like across whether it's public models, whether it's private models, whether it's you just watching the game on a Thursday night and watching him have to make ridiculously backdoor after backdoor save like that. Yeah, that guy got Scottly peppered last year and there's no way around it. Uh, Buffalo is a really fun team to watch <laughs> out of their own zone, right? Like really fun team to watch out of their own zone. And they're poor goaltenders last year. <laughs> a fun team to watch in both ends of the zone. You just have to not be a fan of them, you know? Like, as yeah, long as you, yeah. if you're for like a casual game that you're not a fan of either team, throw on a Buffalo game Buffalo. and you're going to see like cocaine riding, <laughs> riding a motorcycle out of helicopters, shooting a guns akimbo. Um, yeah. So, 
Uh, with those other your Demko oh, pick there, sorry. Um, last 17 games played of this past season, 11 4 and 2 with a 918 save percentage. Thatcher Denko is awesome. That's a, a California goaltending prospect. That's also another fun trivia fact. Go back and look at some of the California-based goalies. There have been a couple. Um, but it's pretty hard to argue when you have – and this is a good litmus test for anyone who is uh, interested in this one too and, and like where do you get good goalies from. If you have a true freshman 18-year-old goalie starting at Boston College, they're probably good at hockey. <laughs> um, and so there's been a few of those over the past years. But again, it, it, and that's it's pretty important to look at. Right. So. All right. Uh, so speaking of Demko, I feel like this might be a guy we're going to talk about in a bit. Maybe not. Depends. But uh, let's let's close it out with the Vesna conversation. Uh, and we're going to be sourcing our odds from DraftKings, of course, as you know, use promo code to THPN. If you haven't signed up for a DraftKings account, helps it support the show. Um, and before we get into this, obviously, guys, make sure you're risking whatever you're willing to lose. Uh, be very smart. Be safe with uh, gambling, gamble responsibly as always. Um, so if you have any questions about gambling and gambling responsibly, please DMs are always open. Um, yeah. So with that out of the way, uh, just looking at the Vezna trophy, I guess, uh, board here for DraftKings. there's a, a clear top six. You got Sorokin at plus at four to one, Shesterkin six to one, Sorrow six to one, Halibuck seven to one, Vasilevsky eight to one, Ottinger 12 to one. Are, are the guys you're targeting here going to be in that cluster? Um, cause if we look at the award in years past, it's going to be guys who are kind of alphas in their, in their, uh, goal in the, in the dressing room guys who are probably going to get like a ton of games. The only outliers was Mark Andre Fleury. Was it two years ago? And I think that was a shortened season. Yeah. Maybe not. Um, so are, are those the guys you're looking at? Uh, and if so, like, who do you like of that kind of cluster? Yeah. So I think the, the, the tricky thing there is again, is, is actually taking yourself away from who you think the best goalie in the most deserving yes. goalie is right. Cause don't think that do not best, right. This is, that is not the, the, the case a lot of the time. Like we saw with, with Linus Allmark, it is the goalie who has the best run on a good team. And that's typically where voters fall to, right? Like at the end of the day, and this is not true about all media, but with goaltending, people still love wins and save percentage, right? They love that. Yes. Um, and that's fine. Like, again, I'm actually a bit of a safe percentage truther. Um, I think it's, I think at the top end, it doesn't tell us much. I think it tells us a lot at the low end. I think it identifies that something has gone wrong. But at the end of the day, like, there's there's still a good enough reason to, to, to look at that enough. It paints a bit of a picture. Um, out of all of those, I think we can learn something from last year, which is that you can have an incredible season like UC Soros, but your team doesn't make the playoffs and you don't get a sniff, right? So right off the bat, I'm not sure Nashville really got a lot better this offseason. I think UC Soros is great. I also think UC Soros, you, I wouldn't be surprised as he may be on the trading block uh, at some point this season if Nashville becomes sellers again at the deadline. So that's something to be, if you're really interested in, and again, six to one is... You know, it's on the it's on the, the on the worst ends or the the more favored ends overall. But I wouldn't be surprised if, if that movement and then him going to a great team would put him above the edge on that one, right? That's a storyline that I think people in media can really get behind, right? That you know, this great goalie who goes out of there and uh and makes a big thing. Now, I did also hear at one point that Nashville was rumored to be trying to trade Askarov or putting Askarov on their trading block, which feels wild to me. Um, it look Nashville has been like the best draft goaltending drafting team in the last two decades. Like this has been between Pekarene, Saros, and Askarov. Like this has been efficient drafting in terms of like they got a lot of years out of Pekarene, right? They also got a lot of years out of Thomas Vokun, 
if you want to go back. <laughs> good, good Puck Duco stash, by the way. Good Puck yeah. Duco stash. That Florida hear, Puck Duco, like, his whole thing. First team oh. is actually Montreal. Really? I forgot you what? Yeah. And then he ends up in. He played. Wow. And then Nashville, Florida, Pittsburgh. Sorry to throw everything off. No, that's great. I had, I had a terrible puck to today. I'm awful. Yeah. I can only remember goal. I remember goalies who played for like three yeah, oh, teams. Yeah. And that's what all I got. Yeah, I'm useless. Uh, but that's that. So what I think, anyways, I think the best play is if there's something I'm a, again, uh, I like a good storyline. And I think if we learn anything from last year with Linus Allmark, I think there's a lot of potential for good storylines, right? So I got Philip Gustafson at 20 to one. I think that has the potential to be an incredible storyline, right? Minnesota, good defensive team. Gustafson was unreal for them last year. Minnesota makes a big run. He comes back just as strong. I don't see any argument for them not to, to have that as a big deal, right? But it's a bit of a higher risk play. We talked about it before. He was not quite maybe the same goalie in Ottawa behind a very different team. Now, still in Minnesota, so maybe a kind of a potential there. Um, Thatcher Demko at 30 to 1. If we want to take, if you want to do some, some long odds there. Again, that is, and we talked about stories, right? It's good goaltending on a good, a good goaltending on at least a, a good enough team with a good story. That's what people care about. Thatcher Demko would be an awesome story if he comes back to that that play he had from the past couple of years, right? And even at the end of last year, right? That's a story again. And we got to be honest with it, right? Canadian market, people love a Canadian market. Vancouver's been bad. He brings that team back. You can, That's a story you can get behind, right? So again, the the best odds, right? Or the or and like the like Sorokin, the Sorrow Sisters, Sorokin. Those are those are the obvious ones. Those are the best standalone goalies in the league. But you got to look at it from like you know, does that sell the story that we're trying to sell? Exactly. And at the end of the day, chances are two of two of those six goalies are going to be finalists for the award. Like realistically, yep. if I if I was able to bet that, I would bet that, right? But we're looking <laughs> for that one goalie that's going to yeah. be along with them and have that chance at the dance to like close in on these on these higher uh on these higher odds. So you mentioned Demko 31, Gustafson 21. There's a couple other ones that I'm looking at this board. And some guys we talked about today like Samson off 75 to 1. That is like I mean, I I'm a big like there's a slight anti-Toronto bias in awards voting. And like, maybe people think I'm wrong in that. But like, again, I'm from Toronto, so I'm going to say that. But <laughs> I really think so. Because some guys left Austin, like, I don't know, some guy left Connor McDavid off his ballot last year. But yeah, there were people it's... who didn't vote McDavid for MVP, or sorry, uh, Matthews for MVP. Like, there's just, it seems like he has to do a lot. But I think Samsonov at 75 to 1. Uh, and then there's another one that, I, like, Canadian market seem kind of uh, idea, like, thought train, I guess, as, mm-hmm. as you were talking about with uh, Demko, but maybe a little bit more psycho and crazy because I'm a little psycho and crazy, but Jack Campbell, 100 to 1, or Stuart Skinner, 100 to 1. I mean, listen, Edmonton's probably going to make the playoffs. If one of them can just pull out and become the starter and be a good goalie, like, are the am I are you am I like a monkey lighting money on fire if I bet on these? Or like, what are your thoughts on, on Samsonov and then the uh, Edmonton tandem? Again, like Samson, this is going to be interesting. To I could see Samsonov pull up the 930 save percentage this year. Yeah. Right? Like the, the Leafs are a good hockey team. Um, and again, if that system continues, he was, again, this last year was season one for Samsonov, right? We just, I, I spent a lot of today talking about how important the environment is around goalies, right? It takes time for teams to, to work systems and again, to integrate how they play around their goalies. That's why teams hesitate to trade goalies at the deadline. Right, it takes too much time. I could see Samsonov coming in and having a great year. Last year was his best year on like those basic statistics, and I thought he did a lot of stuff well. Right, 
Um, I do, however, think you should probably not bet on an Edmonton goalie. <laughs> um, only because, and again, like I said, I like to I like to look at it from the story perspective when we think about you know the best goalies and the best story that ties it all together. Stuart Skinner had a really great year for a long time last year. Comes in, takes that starting role. Campbell obviously struggled and it wasn't the best that he, he could be. Um, and like again, there's a bit of an anti-goalie bias in, in that rookie of the year vote, but like that probably like Stuart Skinner was a starting goalie on the Edmonton Oilers, like uh, and was was good for them for a long time. And there was like a lot and a lot and a lot of disagreement that he should even be mentioned, which felt silly to me. Yeah. It's like the Michael Bunting thing all over again. <laughs> <laughs> Look, so he's, he's 24, all right? Is he really yeah. a rookie? Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Like, I, I get it. But again, we want to talk about not giving goalies a chance, yeah. right? That's the reality. A rookie goalie is 24, right? It's not the 19-year-old anymore, yeah. right? And people were upset when Kirill Kaprasov came over too. But like, so he played five years in the KHL, whatever, it's fine. Um, it doesn't count. Right? So I, I like those. I think, again, if you're a Toronto fan and that's something for a little bit of fun, yeah, Sam Sonov, again, is, is again, be aware. We talked about, you said it yourself, right? Like it's going to be, he's probably not going to play 60, 65 games. That might be a knock against him um, if you want to look at it from that perspective. But in terms of like what he's going to bring and, and the value that he's going to be to the Leafs, again, I think he's going to be really important. I think he's going to, if the team plays around him and, and plays in that system that, that favors him and lets him really shine his game. Yeah. Like I don't see why he couldn't have another really good year to fall up last year's good year season. Yeah. I love that. Awesome. I, I like, I like all the input. Thank you again for this, uh, this yeah. little uh, humoring us with the DraftKings stuff and uh, helping <laughs> yeah. out our sponsors here. Hopefully they like it. And guys remember as always, please bet responsibly trying to preach that. If you have any questions with how to bet responsibly hit up my DMS. So that was, that was all I had from, from my end, Jason, you're good as well. I am great. I am great uh, as well. Hopefully we can have Ben back on. I love oh doing yeah. the show today. This was awesome. This is awesome. Again, thanks Ben so much for coming on. I think everyone learned a ton from this episode. Yeah. I appreciate you guys. Thanks so much. I will uh, always take advantage to, to preach about anything goaltending related. And again, I think it's, <laughs> like I said, I think it's, uh, you know, there's a lot that gets said and there's a lot that gets put out in the media, but I think, you know, there's a, a lot to put under the microscope and a lot of finer details that we can kind of, to look at there a little more than just the superficial stuff that we see on uh, intermission commentary, right? So, exactly. exactly. Awesome. Anyways, thanks everyone for listening. Go, Lee, go.